Thanks for clicking on the video. Hit us with a like on Facebook, a subscribe on YouTube, a follow on Instagram. You can find us at Homie and the Dude. That is at Homie and the Dude. Thanks again. Enjoy the video. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of Homie and the Dude. This is our second podcast in season two, and we are super, super psyched to have Arnold almighty Allen with us. Arnold is the ninth ranked featherweight in the USC right now. Um, we can't wait to get into it with you, Arnold. Right before we start, we're just going to give a shout out to our sponsor, EnzoMartialArts.com. If you have any martial arts needs, Enzo Martial Arts is based in Bristol, England, but they'll ship out to anywhere in the world. There's also a promo code, 10% off if you announce HATD in the promo code. H-A-T-D stands for homie and the dude. Great. Arnold, welcome. What's up? <laughs> What's up? How you doing today, man? How you feeling? How you feeling about hitting training later? You feeling you feeling good to go hit some pads and stuff later? I feel good. I woke up tired today though. <laughs> yeah. Hard day yesterday. Yeah, it's a little bit of a you it's a little bit of like kind of feeling your body, understanding um what days are, are harder days, what days are softer days. That's Seems it. like yeah. It seems like as we get older, like recovery is a real thing. Like when you're, you know, I mean, like, dude, what are you, 20, you're 26? 27 now, yeah. You're just, oh, you're, yeah, you're an old man, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's done. It's done. <laughs> but it's true. Like as, as we get older, um, things that we didn't, re you know, even consider when we were younger, you know, going out late at night or going, you know, back day after day after day of hard workouts seem to bring our recovery back up just with a night's sleep. And then yeah. as we get a little bit older, those recovery days are important. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. It's all about the ice baths and the compression stuff and getting a good night's sleep now. I remember when I was like yeah. 20, you stay up all night playing games and eating crap. <laughs> and it didn't matter. But yeah, so, no. <laughs> are you doing ice baths? Are you doing ice baths as a regular thing? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of the hot cold stuff, you know, the hot bath, ice bath, sort of the contrast bath they call it. And uh, yeah, I find it helps. It, it definitely helps. It sucks. I was going to say, obviously, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, your your regimen, I can imagine, has gotten um, a little bit more strict and a little bit more like uh, focused and organized. As you know, you've been working your way, you know, through uh, through you know amateur kind of stuff, and then getting into professional fighting, and then being signed by the UFC and whatnot. Um, yeah. I can imagine it's gotten a lot more regimented. Was the step from like cage warriors to the UFC like a big one for you in terms of like your mental kind of jump as well as also like physical training and stuff? Because obviously there's that saying, you know, that there's levels to this shit. Was there, was it a big level jump? Did you feel that when you, uh, when you entered the UFC? Yeah, uh, just like I always train hard to be honest. So even like before I was in the UFC, I probably trained harder than I do now, mm -hmm. but uh, not smarter, if that makes sense. I was just, uh, you know, like four sessions a day, strength and conditioning every day, like sparring, training, and uh, just breaking my body down. And uh, But on the same side, I, I wasn't doing the right things outside, like we said earlier. Like I was staying up all night. On the way home from training, I'd have a McDonald's, uh, all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't professional in that sense. But the work ethic and training was always, always the same. Just not the uh, work ethic with the recovery and the discipline and the diet those sort of things it's every yeah. now and again every now and again a mcdonald's is good man you gotta like yeah. i mean it's probably like after the fight <laughs> that's it every now and then every now and again like it's also like 
um, having a treat or a reward for all the, you know, all the just pain and suffering yeah. in a That's camp it. and then going through a fight. Do you have any like stuff that you're just like, you know what, I cannot wait. Like before a fight, you're thinking about something after the fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, what? I actually cheat. So even in camp, I cheat every Saturday. I have kind of whatever I want every Saturday. And nice. uh, so after a fight, the kind of cravings are just, yeah, they're, they're not really there. There's nothing I'm craving for. Other than a pint of beer, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to, to that point, um, how much weight do you cut to, you know, to manage the, the cut on, on fight week? Uh, so my rule is, so the fight week, if I come in at 160, I'm happy. So what is that? What, 14 pounds to get the 146. So yeah. usually I turn up 160 pounds the week of the fight. So 14 pounds the week Okay. Wow. And then uh, walking around weight, what do you uh, say? Get up to about 180. 180. Yeah. Okay. Nice. okay. After a fight, I like to do a lot of uh, like heavy lifting, like slow, grinding, heavy weights. And also I eat a lot of food after a fight. So the combination is sort of, yeah. Like my, my brother and my dad are like strong men. So when I go yeah. back to England, when I go home, I go train with them and we're lifting, eating and yeah, trying to make some strength gains and inevitably get yeah. fat. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I was going to ask you. Obviously, you know, your your whole origin is, is around, you know, your dad being a you know a fighter and then being a strong man, and you know, you having this crazy gym in your back garden, and you know, going and training with your brother, and you know, having that like competition and whatnot. Obviously, you know, something you mentioned was that your work ethic has always been there. Um, but you've had, you needed to learn how to train smart, basically, you know, yes. um, I, I read somewhere that you said, you know, that you, that you were, um, you're kicked out of school and your dad said, you know, um, it doesn't matter what you do, but you got to work hard. And I can imagine that kind of presence in your life really instilled that work ethic in a young age. Yeah, for sure. And also like, <laughs> I don't want to be a letdown, you know, I don't mm. want to just sort of be sat around and. Yeah, like he obviously he helped me a lot with the training when it started and sort of he didn't force me into doing anything, but like he noticed that I was sort of working hard at it and he'd also helped me do the extra steps. So if, if it meant like driving me to a good training somewhere or lending me some money to get the train to go to the gym somewhere, you know, things like that. So obviously I wanna make it worthwhile. Of course. And you know, obviously you've come full circle, you know, and you're lit in your most recent fight with Nick Lentz, your dad was in your corner, which is, which is pretty awesome. You know, you, you, you've come from, you know, him starting to help you at the beginning to now you're in the big leagues, you're ranked, you're in the top 10 and your dad's in your corner watching you fight. Was that, was that a pretty, um, like I can imagine that was a pretty, uh, pretty emotional and, and beautiful experience for you to, to have him there for one of your big yeah. fights. Yeah. It's amazing having him in the corner, you know, I, so a lot of my amateur fights when I was younger, he was in the corner. Uh, some fights in the early pros, he was in the corner. And then just, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I think traveling and then all this, and it just sort of never was. And then one day, I think one of my coaches was supposed to come to my fight and his, uh, his flight got canceled last minute, so he couldn't make it. So I was like, oh, well, my dad's here, he'll be in the corner. And ever since then, I'm like, why is he not in the corner anyway? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. He's, going forward, awesome. he's gonna be there. Yeah. Looks nice. like you guys have a, 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 a like he's a he's a big character. Your dad's <laughs> we see him, you know, you see him in, in uh in the press conferences or in interviews. He's uh, he seems like he's just a 
you know, a big, not just physically a big presence, but also his personality, he's, he's a big presence. But you mentioned yeah. you're, you know, you don't want to let, you don't want to let him down or you don't want to let people down. And, and mm. you're making an insane sacrifice to literally pick your life up. You're on a different continent. Um, you're, ch you know, you're chasing this dream. There's been a bit of complications as far as getting an actual fight. Talk a little bit about just this, like not wanting to let people down and the, the huge commitment you're making. Cause it's, I mean, from our perspective, it's insane. Uh, yeah. Like in, in some senses it is a sacrifice, but at the same time, it's like, I'm living the dream. You know, <laughs> I, I speak to, I call my dad every week and we speak and uh, he's like, everything's the same here. I'm out in the truck. Like, you know, keep doing you. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, like sometimes you miss home a bit and he's like, ah, you're not missing nothing. It's the same old thing, keep working. So yeah, mm. well, sometimes it's hard to realize that, yeah, that you work hard in the gym and training, it's not the easiest, but there's worse options out there, you know? Sure. Yeah, and you probably sure. built a bit of a, you know, a, a bubble around you of people, of friends, your missus yeah. is out there. That's it. Um, yeah. yeah. And your coaches, you know, all, you know, you're like MMA world, a big part of it now is, has been transported to Canada. Yeah, that's it. And obviously um, you guys know Jack, don't you? obviously, and uh, we still speak every day and uh, send inspiring videos and talk training and whatnot. So yeah, it's still gonna, a connection at home. I was going to ask you about that. Cause you're getting, you're getting like uh, actual physical training, whether it's, um, through Faraz or through other coaches that you have. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Um, but there's also like this element of just needing to talk to someone about mm -hmm. stuff, you know, and especially, you know, within the fight game about keeping you motivated, keeping you positive, keeping you on the path. Is Jack, is Jack the guy? Yeah, he's the man. He, he's, he's, uh, yeah, more than that. He's, he's, a, you know, he's a tactician. He's a, manager a coach advisor in more fields than just the mma thing outside too so yeah nice that's good nice. it's good to have that kind of person in your corner you know uh fight yeah. fighting fighting for your back you know as well as then you fighting in the cage you know they've they've got your back and they're they're supporting you so i can imagine that having that kind of presence is is really helping i mean yeah obviously uh arnold we've, we've got to ask how, how has it been moving your camp to uh, a legendary gym and uh, and you know training under Faraz Zahabi, how, how has that been? How has that experience been in, in, in that kind of world for you? Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, unreal to be honest. Like when I first came in, obviously it wasn't a pandemic, so there was all guys coming in, like top level pros coming in to spar every week. There was the amount of UFC, Bellator, Strike Force, or well, not anymore, but you know all these top elite guys like coming through every week to spar and train champions of like promotions and black belts here and there. And it was just like spoiled for choice on like what high level guy you work with, you know, sometimes in the UK in the smaller gyms, you'll go to a gym. There's like, you know, you've got one guy who's sort of top tier. Then you've got one black belt over here. And yeah, but here I'm spoiled for choice on that sort of stuff. And, and the connections I've made like friends, obviously, now they're friends for life. I've got places to train all over the world. I've got, you know, friends in the US, friends in like Asia, friends everywhere, all over Europe. So there's places yeah. I can train everywhere. And that, that is great. So That's how's awesome. that, how's that breaking down for you as far as with, um, with COVID, 
you had the gym, you know, you had a place where a hub where everyone could go. Now yeah. everyone is sort of spread out. How does that work? Look, who are you, who are you seeing? It, mm. Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of the training is, well, the gyms are shut here in Montreal. So a lot of the training is kind of like underground and uh, like private one-on-one sort of stuff like that. And yeah, so just make it work with the, with the fitness side of things, obviously, all you need is a bit of road and you can run and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but just making it work. That's it. So when you so, say underground, is there like, is there actual like regulations that you guys have to be in some sort of isolation or is it um, just, you know, trying to find people that are up for training? Yeah. Literally just trying to find people up for training in a, in a legal sense, something, some place that isn't a gym, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. Fully appreciate that dude. And, during this time, especially because I know Canada's pretty on it with, with COVID yeah. and, and their, their kind of measures. I, I mean, I won't say the UK's on it, but we're, we're in, it seems like we're in constant lockdowns here as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it, I, I can appreciate that that whole like need for, you know, the physical training part is quite hard. I want to ask, um, just to kind of get an idea of myself, how much of your training pre-COVID, what, what was the percentages of what you're doing like on a weekly basis? Are you doing like, 50% striking, 50% ground, like, or are you doing like 40 stand up, you know, 30 ground, 10 jujitsu? Yeah. What's, what's, what's your kind of ratios? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty mixed to be honest. Like, um, yeah. the gym itself is obviously, I don't know if you guys follow like the jujitsu scene or that, but, um, there's a lot of like high level jujitsu guys that come in. Obviously they train at Henzo's as well. Uh, with like Gordon Ryan and that lot. but um, yeah. they all come here they travel to New York I think they're all in Puerto Rico now so there's a very high level of uh, like Nogi uh, Jiu-Jitsu comp- competitors but like also I kind of make my own schedule as well around that you know I work with uh, two striking coaches I train with and there's a, an Olympic silver medalist wrestling coach uh, Kia Sisori I work with every week and uh yeah, he, he's been like, unreal adding to my game. Obviously, with COVID, I haven't been working with him for a while, but uh, yeah, mm. he's, a, he's a game changer, really. Yeah. And, he, and he's uh, more of you, an American, uh, American grappler or wrestler, so that's that's the sort of um, style that he has, right? Yeah, so he's a, a freestyle wrestler. He was a silver medalist in, I think it was... I can't remember which Olympics it was, 99, maybe, 97, no, 98. I don't know. I can't remember the year. But yeah, it was, uh, I think he got a silver against, is it Kendall Cross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he beat like, yeah. then he beat Cross like a few times that year. And then, yeah. Uh, and then he lost to him in, uh, you know, for the medal. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, so he, he injured his knee, like he blew his ACL or something. And he said the option was to have surgery and not go to the Olympics or, tape it up and go to the Olympics. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Wow. The, the whole wrestling scene in America, you, you hear it over and over again by different, whether it's, um, you know, MMA pundits or actual fighters. There's, there, there's something about that, the whole work ethic that it just takes to be a wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, they're cutting weight. They're, they're, they're out wrestling almost every weekend. Yeah. There's something about it that it's also similar to like the Dagestani, the feel there, you know, right. Do you get a, a sense of, 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 is that, you know, is that something that you assess as well? Those guys are, are made a little bit differently. Yeah. Like, uh, 
Well, he's he's Georgian, so he comes from uh, he comes from back there, you know, in those days. Yeah. And like he tells us some stories of the training and like, how how he was training when he came to Canada. Like he said the same sort of thing as me. It was like this is this is a dream. He he's get paid to train to compete as kind of like a professional, I guess. And uh, yeah, you don't want to squander that opportunity. Do you? So have to sort of check yeah. yourself to realize how lucky you are sometimes in in that you get to do what you love every day and that's how you make your living yeah you know it, it's it, for sure it's it's definitely something and we spoke to a actually an a olympian uh, judoka um and mm. he said the same thing he said a lot of uh, people from out that kind of uh, way um are are very much like a high level athletes because they do train really hard in some cases in in squalid conditions that mean that it pushes them to be even harder you know yeah. um interestingly uh, you know you you just said you know you haven't trained with uh, with with this wrestling coach for a while because of covid and whatnot mm. and a big part of you know uh, the story that is going around uh, with you is is this wanting a fight that is of either named or ranked position mm. and struggling to make it happen with people dropping out or um things falling through and you know different different pieces happening i wanted to yeah. ask how much are you kind of thinking about the amount of time that you have had off and with yeah. covid now happening and you distancing yourself from some of your coaches are you worried about the ring rust when you come back is that something on your mind or are you just focusing about getting that fight and then driving towards it yeah uh, no I, i'm not worried really because like i said i'm making ways to train and i'm uh, figuring it out and you know there's no corners being cut but uh, I feel like the ring rust comes from like people being outside of the gym, you know, they're out of, like uh, McGregor, he said it was inactivity, you know, obviously, you know, that plays a big part, but also I don't know if he was training all year round, seriously, you know, he was, he, uh, he trained very hard for a camp, you know, he trained very hard for maybe 10 weeks at a time, but he was probably out of the gym, not training, not sparring for the rest of the year. So I, I think that's where the ring rust comes from, not, you know, the period between the fight. And I've had, uh, well, I've had 17 pro fights, but I've had uh, maybe 40, near 50 fights overall. So, uh, yeah, I know how to fight. It's, it's all, yeah, it's all good. And I've had that time out of the ring before. So, and it's never been an issue. That's, yeah. that's nice to hear. That's really nice mm. to hear. And uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely fills me with some confidence to, to <laughs> see you get back in the ring, dude. I'm glad to hear that you're, that you're confident in that way. Tom, what, sorry for interrupting you, dude. No, no, it's a Dominic, Dominic Cruz talks about that as well. Almost exactly what you said, Arnold, which is he, does, he totally doesn't believe there's ring rust if you're in the gym. If you're just, yeah. you know, if you're training, you're keeping sharp. Um, one thing, though, that, that just, just come out recently I want to get your thoughts on because I know you've trained, you know, you've, you've had 40, 50 fights in your life. You've sparred mm -hmm. a hell of a lot. Um, you've boxed a bit. Um, you talked recently about, you know, just wanting to manage the amount of damage your body takes, mm -hmm. right? And including, you know, your body from the neck down and, you know, your head. Yeah. We heard Max Holloway this past year talking about couple things one he was he was training basically over zoom with his yeah. uh, with his trainer so that's that's the whole COVID thing but the other thing was his last two fights so the second um volkanovsky fight and the cater fight um he did not spar um at, at all what, what are your mm. thoughts on that uh well if it is true which i'm not 100 sure that is true uh <laughs> he's so experienced he's had so many fights and I've seen the way those guys spar before. I've seen them sparring, like footage of it. They spar like, like crazy, you know, they go to war. So 
it's, it's the extreme, isn't it? Because they fight so hard every time they're going to war, like he's taking so much damage in the gym that, yeah, okay, maybe they're not going to spar all the time. But like, if you're sparring moderately and smart, then you can, you can do it consistently. I think it was uh, Bernard Hopkins, he used to spar. And he fought, what, until he was 40, 47, I think he did. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he would get hit with a clean shot and sparring, and he would, like, he would be furious that someone caught him, you know. He would, that would ruin his day, you know. Like, oh, I got caught with a shot today. But obviously, it's different MMA. There's all sorts of different things. But that is sometimes, like, the outlook of going. Because like, some days, it's like, right, today I'm going uh, I'm gonna to pressure this guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push forward. I'm going to work my rest and I'm going to score takedowns. Some days I come in, I'm like, right, I don't want to get hit today. Like, no one's landing clean. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm defending, blocking, I'm getting out of the way. So it's all about playing games, I think. So you can't every time be like, right, I'm turning up and I'm pressuring and I'm going to war today. Because then, yeah, then you're going to age in the gym, obviously. But I think the key is always to play games, you know. Today is in and out, in and out. Like today I'm blocking, today I'm getting out of the way. And some days, if you feel good, then right, I'm getting stuck in. Yeah. So just little like mini little mini objectives for the workout. You know, yeah. if I'm if I'm a striking workout, that's really cool. How you because I hadn't really considered that, but you know, having an objective of I'm not going to get hit cleanly today. Yeah. Really kind of emphasizes your head movement, your body movement. You know, level changes, distance management, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's completely different than let's just mix it up. Let me just get in there and have a spar like a real sparring session, which means, yeah. you know, I'm, a, I'm much more offensive minded and to be more offensive minded, I'm putting myself more at risk. Yeah, so, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, actually something I noticed with like a, a lot of the younger guys now, like training, sparring. Now I'm one of the old guys. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> you ask how the sparring is and they're like, oh, you know, I feel like uh, I lost that round or, you know, maybe I did good in this round or maybe won that round. I said, no, you don't win sparring. It's like, what did you learn? Like, what did you work on? What did you fix? Yeah. You know, those, yeah. that's how I feel for sparring. Do you, do you know what, does, do, do you feel like, you know, you're talking to these younger guys? Do you feel like, because um, I, I, I know for me, I, I as, as a young man stepping into like my 20s, hmm. You know, I was kind of finding my own track, living on my own, you know, get working a job, you know, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't until I became like a, a manager of a place and I and I was mm. running other people and I was like worrying about people below me and making sure that they were happy and all this kind of stuff and giving advice on work that I'd been doing for X amount of time that someone knew didn't know much about. It really developed me as a person and as uh, it, the skills within the job itself developed because I was teaching them to other people. Do you find yeah. that when you do have these new guys coming into this gym, obviously, you know, you're still super young. You're still very much er, like in the early stages of your like career, uh, if you yeah. wanted it to be, for example. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not in any way saying that you're one of the, the old guys, you know, the gym, yeah. but I can imagine there's young guys who come in looking up to you as, you know, the ninth rank guy and ask you some questions. So do you feel like that helps you? Yeah, for sure. And especially like, you know, helping people definitely, it helps your game too, you know, because then you have to really, you think, like you said, you, you've been in that situation and maybe it becomes easy to you. So then when you rethink really about it and you have to sort of dig deeper into like what it is and you sort of relearn it yourself again. So yeah. definitely helps to sort of re- retell someone or revisit it and help someone out. Yeah, there's a, there's actually science behind that. That is, 
you have a level of of knowing something so let's, let's say it's like a jujitsu submission move right yeah so let's say like you're you know your ninja choke that you've we, we've seen it a couple times yeah. right yeah. so you you know that right you know how to do it instinctively if someone gets in that position you lock it yeah. in the next level of really understanding it is to teach it to someone to teach the finer details of it to someone which then unlocks other shit for you as well and you're almost like yeah. oh shit so i actually have to make sure that this person's foot is here his shoulder mm -hmm. leans in that's when i drop it you know what i mean that's when i bring my arm up all that is sort of like solidifying learning in the end do you find that when you're actually teaching stuff yeah so absolutely when i was like obviously when i'm spending more time back home well, I travel more when there's a, no pandemic going on, but um, I, I coach a lot more. And before I was coming here, I would always you know, I would teach the, the amateur team. I would train a lot of the guys, people, you know, like hobbyists that just want to get fit. Whatnot. I would train all sorts of people. So you'd always have to sort of think about what you're teaching and the technique you learn. Like It's not just about how to apply it. It would also be how to teach it. And like you said, you learn it in two ways, sort of. And obviously you, you get a better understanding of it of how it works. Nice. No, that's, that's absolutely awesome. And, you know, uh, Tom, Tom mentioned a second ago, um, Max Holloway. And, uh, and I wanted to just bring up, obviously, ahead of you, um, you're, you're the number ninth ranked fighter at the moment in the featherweight division. And um, you're an absolute badass. But ahead of you is a murderer's row of yeah. who's who of featherweights, you know, from around the world. How are you feeling about what you've got ahead of you? Are you excited to face some of these guys that are revered as, you know, some of the greatest to ever touch the sport? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's exactly what I want. I want those tough tests. I want those big names. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's why I'm waiting. Because uh, that's what I'm waiting for. You know, hopefully the weight is worth it and that's what we get. But, um, yeah, the, they're the guys I watch. They're the guys, you know, when I'm visualizing and, you know, mm -hmm. planning for the future. That's what I want. And you know, they put me number nine. So I feel like I should be in a position now to, to, to warrant one of those. And obviously we're supposed to fight, uh, Stevens, Jeremy Stevens. And, mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, we we're supposed to fight Stevens and Emmett and they both got injured, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll get rescheduled in future. Yeah. Ob obviously the Gilbert Melendez fight was, uh, was one that you were hoping to kind of, you know, boost you a little bit because gilbert was you know a big guy and you're i mean you pretty yeah. much retired him um at that point so that's that's a big thing you know and and yeah. it, it definitely put you massively on my map you know i i definitely yeah. noticed that when when that went down and so you know dude i think it's only a matter of time and not to mention like you're one of the few english fighters um who are like succeeding in the ufc like there's a there's a bunch of like uk based fighters whether they're ireland scottish uh you know welsh english in the ufc but you know yeah. there's a select few that are in those top rankings so i think it is just a matter of time just like with leon edwards just like with darren till you know they got their bite and uh, and their 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 careers then have progressed a lot faster since then i reckon you're you're a, a step away you're you're nose whiskers away from from <laughs> getting that break you know, and, and fully deserving of it with seven seven wins no losses in the ufc mm. as well cheers man. Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps. Yeah, I also think like Leon Edwards is a really good example, Bodie, that you mentioned because he is on a he's on a similar path as you. It seems like mm. so he's had this long win streak. 
He is, you know, everybody knows he's, he's absolutely dangerous. He's a killer, right? No one really wants to fight him that's above him, yeah, right? That's- so, he, you know, it's like, it's kind of like your situation. So what does he do? He ends up saying, all right, um, if the guys above me are sort of resisting or they're, they're, they're slow to give me an offer, I'm just going to go for a name. And even mm-hmm. if the name's below me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And I, I actually think it's a, it's a wise decision. Like, you know, Kamzat has got some juice behind him right now. You know, he's in the, he's in the press and, you know, his Instagram is blowing up and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not even in the top 10. It's definitely a huge step down for Leon. But you can tell that if Leon wins this fight, it will probably be, I won't say, it'll probably be just as effective or more effective if he beats someone below him in the top 10. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so question to you is, there's some guys below you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's where you want to go because you want to go up, right? You want, you know, you want Cater, you want the zombie, or you want, you know, yeah, you're, you want one of those guys, you want Zavit, so, well, someone to just offer you the fight. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, again, we're looking at your career, you're 27, you're still a young guy, but you're entering into yeah. the prime years of your life. Is there someone below you that you're like, look, if I, I just want to fight against someone that's going to progress me, whether, whether, because you want know, the rankings are just a number, right? Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, it's definitely something I've looked into. I'm like, yeah, yeah like, if, if the right fights are there, then 100%. There's names like, uh, obviously, there was like Aldo, people like Aldo were in the way, but he's gone down now. People like Swanson, you know, he's a huge name. He's done everything. But yeah, definitely, definitely something like that. It's, it's something that would be worthwhile, you know, a veteran, someone with a big name, fought everyone, been a champion of this. Yeah, like 100%. That's yeah. in there. Hmm. You, you know, you, were, yeah. you mentioned Barbosa as well earlier. Uh, oh, yeah. Hmm. That was trying to happen, yeah. what, in December? Yeah, because uh, so when my fight fell off in November, we were looking at options like something good to take. And then I saw him saying he wanted to fight in December, and I, but I think he was having uh, contract issues, and I think he's on his last fight. And he wants to renegotiate, or yeah, so for whatever reason that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, something like that. Like he, you know, his last obviously he was on a bit of a, a loss, but he lost to all elite lightweights in decisions, mainly. You know, so. Uh. Go, go I was gonna say on, so. On. So if, if we were if we were to look at these guys, I'm gonna just do. I'm gonna just do a little game here. Um, so Barbosa is definitely like he would be one. Cub Swanson, another one. Um, Ryan Hall, right? Is that is that sort of sideways or is that? No, like he's a he's a tri-star guy as well. So when he's in Canada, gotcha. so yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. What about so? What it'd be, about... So it'd be like fighting a it'd be like fighting a brother, right? I, I feel that, <laughs> but that's a harder one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think your point is interesting. You know that that, that if the name is there, you you'll take it. And I, I know Tom, you were going to mention like Bryce Mitchell and a few other people who are like up and comers within the in the division who are yeah. making a name for themselves. I think uh, again, dude, like you you like I, like we said, you've been in there with some of the, the greats. You know, Gilbert Melendez is honestly one of one of the greatest fighters of all time, and for you to have retired him is 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 pretty a pretty staggering thing. So I think you know. Uh, in terms of movement, yeah, we, I know me and Tom have got our fingers crossed for you to, to, to have something. And we want to we wanna see you display what we know you have um, against one of the guys who, uh, who will validate that for you within the mm-hmm. eyes of the rest of the audience, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that also, uh, obviously, yeah, I want to fight a name or someone, like you said, like a Swanson or something like that. And, or better than that, like someone top, top 10, top 10 or something like that. 
But uh, one of the criticisms I get after every fight, now obviously I'm seven and zero every time. Since I was like three and zero, everyone was like, "Oh, when's he gonna fight a top fifteen guy? When's he gonna fight a top fifty? Like, when's he gonna fight a ranked guy?" I'm like, "I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> every fight." So it's like, yeah, I was supposed to fight um, Emmett. Obviously, I ended up fighting uh, Nick Lentz, and then all the criticism was like, "Yeah, but when's he gonna fight a ranked guy?" Oh, well, okay. Then we get to the Stevens fight, and then he gets injured, obviously. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> he's not going to fight a ranked guy still. So. Yeah. yeah. So how is that, man? Because you've got a fight. You've got a fight against a ranked guy. It's in the mm-hmm. calendar. It's leading up to the fight. You're in camp. You're, you know, you're getting your mind ready for it, and all of a sudden, last minute, it gets yanked. Is yeah. there a dip? Is there like a, you know, do you have a bit of a, a mental or a physical just like, oh, and then you ramp up again, or do you are you able to just put it aside and just keep marching on? Yeah, it's it's very frustrating because it's uh well with the Stevens fight, it was it was like everything I wanted, you know. He was ranked above me, it was the name I wanted, he was you know, he, he's one of the most dangerous guys like in the division, regardless of his uh losing streak. You know, he you know he's can knock anyone out and he has knocked a lot of everyone's out, so yeah, yeah, there was that dangerous challenge that I, I wanted and I felt like I deserved to get. And that was the, obviously the clear mark right now to put you into the, the elite. Uh, all the guys that have beaten him recently have gone on to be top five, top six guys right now. And uh, yeah, that was exactly what I wanted. And so there was a little bit of uh, frustration and obviously being annoyed. But uh, yeah, after a couple of days, you sort of regroup and uh, get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kicking the dog you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lick, lick some emotional wounds and, and, and yeah. move on move on a little bit yeah i think dude i think honestly um you, you've got the right headspace as well like and it's interesting some people in your position and we've seen it happen with uh you know a great example is um corby covington you know mm. some people in your position that are frustrated by the lack of fights and stuff turn into you know this crazy personality and and like can almost throw dirt on all the amazing stuff that they've done in the past in terms of their reputation and stuff yeah just to get the fights because they're making noise now and i i think honestly dude i respect you massively for being as humble as you are and being as respectful and down to earth as you are and i think again you know i love the fact that you mentioned earlier you know that you talk to your dad every week and you're like i miss you and he's like hey everything's the same here you keep kicking ass and doing your thing you know and to me that's that's the type of thing that really like allows for that kind of um personality to exist you know uh, i'm not sure if you know but tom tom is my dad and he more father yeah. and son so um I, I i get that dude you know having you know when i used to play basketball having tom tell me you know before a game hey win or lose just go out there give it hell i love you you know kind of thing mm. it, it, it changes your perspective and it makes you feel something you know very different and i'm not saying that colby covington isn't getting that but you know it's nice to see that you haven't gone down that path of like fuck it i'm gonna be a publicity for <laughs> you know to, yeah. to, 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 to get what i can no but uh yeah exactly but definitely one thing i have to do after when i do finally get a fight is ask for another one <laughs> at <laughs> yeah. least because uh I, yeah, I have to have a plan and be like, I'm always sort of, you know, living in the moment. I'm like, I'm only focused on this fight right now. And then they ask me after, like, what do you want next? I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. And, yeah, I, I'm always, I'm always a little bit of, like, I'm not sure where I am with the call out after the fight. Cause at some point I'm like, dude, just let the guy, 
celebrate enjoy yeah. that they just went like life and death with this dude like five minutes ago just let yeah. him take a breath you know go and hug their loved ones and then think about the, the next fight tomorrow there's there is that but the other side of it is like you know we saw it with um uh michael chandler this this past weekend where you know he was just like outrageous after he won the fight and just calling people out and all this other stuff so there's there's a bit of like the business side of things as well isn't there like even if yeah 100 that you got to kind of think about and I, and I find like if you don't like make noise and like scream that you want someone maybe they just assume like you don't want to fight next so you just want to wait i don't know it's, i guess that's kind of the pattern of my career because i don't really ever call anyone out i'm always just like oh who's next i don't know whoever <laughs> and uh yeah and then i end up waiting a year <laughs> i'm still uh hanging about yeah so we should we should expect to see a much more animated version of you at the end of the fight actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not, well, still humble. Maybe gonna get the most uh, polite call out ever or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't 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 jump off the top rail because. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Dude, <laughs> can you talk about like that interaction with the UFC? Because I'm picturing, um, I, I, so I get I guess I'm picturing one way traffic. Basically, you know, it's almost like this hidden fortress where at some point a phone call will come to your management and say, "Yo." Does Arnold want to fight this person? And you'll talk to your management and, you, and you'll either come up with a yes or no. And they'll say, great, or okay, that's fine. Phone closes yeah. and the door shuts again. Is it kind of like that? And then it opens with something else? Or is there more of an interaction? Uh, I think there's more of an interaction, but yeah, it does. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like that, isn't it? Like uh, there's us, I guess, uh, chasing and asking and be like, oh, is there any fight, any fights? And yeah. eventually getting an answer of it, yeah, so. Yeah, in a way, in a way, it's like what you say. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's the, the UFC's political kind of uh, situation in terms of how they're dealing with fighters and how fighters are being dealt with is is quite interesting. And it's it's, it, you know, honestly, for me, the biggest kind of example of that going on at the moment is with the Habib thing. You know, Dana trying to push him to come back, and and him being like, no, you know, I, I, me and Tom talked about this. We did a live stream for the uh, for for the um fights the other night and afterwards we watched dana's press conference and he was like the most depressed like shell of himself i've ever seen after mcgregor yeah. lost and i was just like you know you can tell that this man is very much about the money like that that a lot of what is on his mind is the money and what he's yeah. going to be making and how the results of what he's seeing in front of him on the night are kind of uh playing out forwards and i think you know it, it, it's a hard thing that they have to manage the UFC between like humility and financial like gain and whatnot. So I can imagine that that's a, a bit of a hard one for them. Do you find yourself though, do you find that you're like, you get the resources that you need, you get the like stuff you need from the UFC? Are they at least accommodating for you in, 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 in that kind of way? Yeah, for sure. Like they are at, and I mean, it's no secret that uh, it's an entertainment business, isn't it? It's uh it is what it is. If you're interested and people want to watch you, people are going to pay to watch you. And that's, uh, that's been the thing from the beginning of time, you know, even if like, uh, like Ali, people wanted to watch Muhammad Ali because you know, he was talking, he was causing all this, all the things he was doing outside the ring, you know, people wanted to watch him. So yeah, there's definitely that. And I was just always say, if you, if you're not interested in yourself, like you don't want to talk about yourself fighting, then why should other people be interested? And uh, yeah, that always clicked well. And I think definitely, like, I don't really 
like to say things about me as a fighter and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But it's true. Like, if you don't act like you're excited to fight or interested, then why do people want to think that you want to fight or why would people want to see you fight? It is a good point. And I mean, I would say you're in the group that you show the interest in yourself by what happens in the octagon, right? You show yeah. how serious you are in the sport by how you deal with your competition. And that speaks sometimes, you know, that is, is much more of a stronger message than someone harping off with the microphone about, you know, they want this and they want that and, and that, that type yeah. of thing. But Bodhi yeah. mentioned something that I wanted to, to, to kind of circle back to. I am on the understanding that when, you know, when you're right now, when you're in Canada, basically you're paying for your livelihood, you're paying for your training. So, mm -hmm. every, so the, the amount of time it takes for you to get your next fight, that's just like, is that's exhausting a, a little bit of your resources, isn't it? As, as you're waiting. I mean, there's no, yeah. they're, not, they're not supplementing you in any way or, or yeah. are they because they promise you a certain amount of fights a year and those don't happen? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I didn't think so. No. Yeah. yeah, but but here's the other thing: if let's say if you were in Las Vegas, would you be able to take advantage of all their shit at the um at the Performance Institute, or is that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, that's a hundred percent accessible. I, I can bring uh, a couple of teammates to train with me as well. Use all the facilities, the physios, the rehab center, the conditioning coaches. I think yeah, the food's free as well, all sorts. Of, there's definitely a lot of benefits in the, of being there. Have you found that law fighters have, have decided, look, it's just, it's just financially better to, instead of having to pay for everything, you know, all my workouts, all my coaches, my house, my food, you know, my entertainment, all that stuff, just to go there? Do you feel like there's yeah. a, a big cluster of fighters that are moving to Vegas? Definitely. There's, there's definitely a lot going there. And, you know, I, I consider going out there for a bit, uh, of the COVID thing, but I just need to sort of, it's awkward because there's so many, so many people gone there right now. There's so many gyms there as well. It's hard to know which one there isn't someone that I might end up fighting at. So I'm like, oh, look at this gym. This would be good. And then, oh, no, the number 10 guy's there. I want to go here and this guy's over there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's, mm. that's super interesting, dude. So you basically have to, you have to kind of make decisions on, you know, because you had, you know, you have situations where, Masvidal and um, Dustin Poirier are in the same gym, but they're in different weight weight classes. But yeah. you have other situations where you have two guys that are in the same gym, like Ryan Hall. You said um, yeah. there's, I guess there's a bit of a like, I don't want to be in the same gym as someone that I may have to face at some point. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that is, your philosophy? I was gonna say, is that a strategy thing? Is that so that they don't like get a chance to like work you out, or is that? so that you guys like that you don't form like a bond so that it's easier to get in the ring and just like wing punches at them what, what, what's the reason behind that yeah you know i never really fought for the reason i just thought uh it's probably just awkward isn't it you know like uh be a bit strange but um also like uh because we have obviously brian hall comes here to do his his camps and stuff yeah. and uh, uh masad bektik moved out here uh, a couple years back and me, me and masad were supposed to fight and Oh, maybe 2017 I want to say 2016 and uh, I got sick and then after he, he wanted to come out here to train and uh, yeah like has asked if it's cool you know we're both cool but obviously and it's the rule we don't fight ever so that's it 
Okay. Cool. So you guys make yeah, a bit so... of a bit of a pact. Look, if we're going to train together, then we're never going to fight. Together. We're never going to fight. Yeah, each other. not not even in words. It's, like, it's not even said. It's just sort of you know we're not. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that makes not... sense. Hmm. Yeah, it does. And do you know what? So, I must admit, Alan, uh, 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 Arnold, I love <laughs> I love your answer. Of, just thought it would be a bit awkward. That is the most British thing like, <laughs> I've ever. Just, just thought it'd be a bit awkward, you know. Like, yeah. fully, fully agree with that, dude. Like, yeah, you could imagine standing across from a guy that you like train with, and you're like, "Yeah, this is a bit uncomfortable." And Bruce Buffer's screaming at us both, and we're both That's just it. like, "Yeah." Hmm. I mean, I was, go ahead, go ahead, Arnold. I was thought like if the situation ever came up, and like. I want it to be at least for a title or something, you know, like at least because yeah. then, then obviously, then you could be like, all right, we've worked our whole lives to this moment. We're not going to throw it away for that. It has to be something like that, doesn't it? And I'm there's plenty of people out there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of examples. So you got, you got Masvidal and Covington. I think actually Burns and Usman are yeah. out of the same gym, aren't they? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're fighting for a championship. Covington and Masvidal aren't going to fight for a championship, but if they do fight, it's going to be a big, you know, big thing. So you want to wait. If it's going to happen, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for something worthwhile. Yeah, that's it. It's got to be, I don't know, big, big money, a title fight, or something, you know what I mean? Like something worthwhile. Yeah. There's got, there's got to be motivation to punch someone that you mutually respect in the face. Like, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. got, there's got to be some ulterior motivation. Like, I, I, I get that. It's like you, yeah. you wouldn't turn around to a guy that you work with in any normal job and be like, yo, I'm like, let's throw down today. <laughs> like, you know, unless, and, but if someone turned up to me and was like, hey, here's a couple grand, go punch him. I'd be like, oh, okay. That's, that's a different, that's a whole nother scenario. We got to, we got to yeah. talk about that then. <laughs> Speaking of that, so you, Bodhi, you mentioned, you know, it's a, you know, it was a British thing. What, so a couple things about, about um, a British thing. One is how are you coping in North America with people that don't really understand British humor? Because like, because <laughs> I'm you know I'm American. Bodhi has grown up British, so he knows yeah. the flavor of British humor. American humor is more slapstick or whatever. But what any uh, any um, experience with that? With you're just like wow, they just don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it's the added thing here because obviously it's Quebec, so it's French made, isn't it? So. Yeah, a lot of the time they really don't understand what I'm talking about. And I'm just like, ah, don't worry. Actually, the funniest, <laughs> thing, uh, funniest thing that happened was in the gym. So GSP was fighting Bisbin, and uh, Bisbin was obviously putting on a show, calling them all sorts of names. And I remember I was, I was in the gym for one of his last sparring, and uh, Bisbin came up to and like George came up to me by the water fountain. He's like, he said, hey, Harney, hey, Harney. <laughs> uh, hey, <Harney." laughs> Michael, call me a, a, a toi, a toi, what is this? And I'm like, oh, what? A toi? I'm like, oh, he's called you a toi. And he's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> he was like, asking me what it was. I had to just explain to him. And he's just like, oh, he just looked like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was just like, oh, okay. you had to You had to be his translator for, uh, for yeah. English. <laughs> That's oh, funny. That's great. <laughs> you know, how, let me ask let me ask obviously you know gsp is one of the considered he, he's all, often brought up in the goat conversation yeah does uh does being in his presence does does it, knowing him personally and and being able to in some cases you know get some tips off of him or whatnot does is that like a fountain of knowledge that you are just like happy to run into anytime yeah it's uh yeah so obviously he hasn't 
well, obviously, this has been how long is it since the Bisping fight? Was that 2018? 2018? Yeah, that's, yeah. Time. So he hasn't really, I don't know if he's sparred. He's been in the gym, obviously not now, but um, yeah. in the gym. He's a, a real professional. He trains always. He's, he's not sparring, but he's always training. But uh, before that, he was sparring and, and doing bits here and there. When I first came, obviously, he was still a little bit, he wasn't kind of retired. He was semi-retired, so he was sparring yeah. often. But every time you get the opportunity to work with him and spar with him, it's like he'll you'll learn something, and you know you'll just see. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You just get to sort of feel that level, you know. So, what are, what are some things about him that you've taken away from him? Because I, I picture him like the the image you get of him is that he's a consummate professional as far as like you know all aspects of MMA, but also just his work ethic and his diet and his mental and all this other stuff. What are some things that you feel? have really benefited you by being either with him or just for us or some of the other killers in the, you know, in the gym. Just, uh, just little things and little technical tips. Like if you, uh, say if you wrestle with him, obviously, and and he'll give you a tip here. If it comes from the guy that's like arguably number one ever, it sort of sits with you a little bit longer or a little bit stronger than most things, you know, rather than someone else saying it, you know, it sits in your head and it sort of means a bit more. So yeah, and, and having like shared rounds with him and and done stuff and uh, yeah, it gives you a lot of confidence. Yeah, I can imagine. So you you you're like let's say you're one seventy one eighty. He's walking around at what two uh, hundred ish or maybe right around there. So when I think when we were spar well, when we would spar more, he was kind of like he was doing like intermittent fasting and he was trying to drop weight. I think there was talks of him going to 155 at that time. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So he was like 190 something. So he wasn't that heavy. Yeah. Exactly. So I remember he was not that, he's not that big. And then he was like, Oh, he was fasting. He's trying to drop weight and all this. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. You, you see uh, stuff on, uh, on Instagram where he's, yeah, he's, he's stripping down trying to get to that, that, you know, that lower weight. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, dude, that you've, you know, to, to, to me, the biggest thing, dude, that, that, that I, I love about you and your whole story is that, you know, you came from a backyard and you've elevated yourself out of the UK, which in some ways is an amazing place to learn and like develop your skills. But like you said, there's a level of training, you know, like you said, some of the gyms only have one black belt. They have one top yeah. level guy. And, you know, you've elevated yourself out of that into the, you know, this next kind of stratosphere of work. And so, dude, I, th- yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, ahead of us you you've got a lot of a lot of bright stuff ahead of you because of this work ethic that you're putting in and the good decisions that you're making it feels like you've got some good people around you helping you make some good decisions and, and, and yeah. keeping you on track i think that's the key in it i think if it was just me i'd be making some terrible ones <laughs> i don't know dude i i mean i th- i think of other guys uh in the uk that have a lot of talents or have some skills or whatever and you know they're kind of you know they're bigger fish in a smaller pond and you know you got to make a risk you got to jump right you got to yeah. you got to put yourself in a position where you're a little bit more vulnerable where you're going to be the new person um you're not going to know as much and that's a hard thing to do right and yeah, um sure. and, and and it's hard to do even like within the uk to just go to a bigger gym in the uk go to london go to liverpool go wherever mm-hmm. um go to ireland um you actually you know you picked up you packed your bags you said goodbye to your family and uh, travel across the world to chase this dream. And, and, you know, don't underestimate that, dude. That's an amazing Mm -hmm. commitment and not a lot of people do that. And you did that, man. So yeah. Awesome work on that. Thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
you know, uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, one, one, one kind of final thing for me. Um, if you did, you know, we were talking about you needing to call some people out. If there was someone ahead, who, who do you want next, dude? Who's, who's the person that you're going you're gonna to push into your limelight and who, in your mind, when you go to sleep, you're like, oh, I'm coming for you next? <laughs> uh, like the one guy, which I feel like I probably won't get, is a, a Korean zombie because I'm such a big, well, I grew up being such a big fan of his. I love the way he fights. So fun to watch. And I just... I just feel like our styles, it works well for me. Like the fight just, it works good for me. And yeah. uh, a huge name, uh, it'll be a fun fight. Uh, I think it'll be a fun fight for fans, a good fight for me. And that'd be, I mean, if that doesn't, a win over him doesn't get my name anywhere, then uh, I don't know what will. Yeah, so, that would definitely, that would definitely push the envelope. What is that? So mm -hmm. what, what you, I know you've had a little bit of it with Melendez and I've heard like Dan Hardy talk about both Dan Hardy and Michael Bisbing talk about stepping across the ring from GSP and just being like, mm. holy shit, I'm literally standing across from a dude that I really looked up to before. And I'm yeah. not sure if you looked up to Melinda's, but he certainly has a resume that it's like, if you look through his resume, you're like, wow, like he's fought pretty much everyone. How does that yeah. feel to have that experience? Uh, yeah, it, it was exactly that, like uh, that same thing. Cause I remember I, I grew up watching him as well. Like when he was, he was striking poor guy and like he was killing it. Like he was doing great fought everyone and it was kind of the same thing as well because he, he was on a bit of a losing streak when I fought him but his losing streak was like this guy is like elite this uh, this guy ex-champion here this you know I mean it was never it was never like some random guy just blowing out the yeah. water it was like Pettis it was people like that you know so uh, yeah I didn't take anything from that and uh, it gave me a lot of confidence sort of believing in myself because when I got in there I wasn't I wasn't like overwhelmed. I wasn't thinking, oh, this guy's ex Force champion. He's, you know, he's this, he's that. I was just sort of thinking, yeah, uh, I'm going to beat this guy. And uh, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence and uh, let me believe in myself a lot more. That's yeah. awesome, man. Because you could, you could slip so into, you could get overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, yeah. Melendez or Zombie or, you know, someone else in that top 10, you know, you look at Jeremy Stevens you look at the resume and you can get swept up in the story and be like, Oh my God, these guys, you know, they've seen everybody, but you look yeah. across the ring and you're just like, you know what? Um, I like my chances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also like, uh, I, I always feel like when it say, even if it's the gym or fight or whatever, if, if the task ahead of me is, uh, is tougher or like, you know, on paper, it's a bigger challenge. I find I'll rise to that more than if it was someone, uh, you know, People are like, oh, it's an easy fight. I was going to kill him or whatever. Like, you know, walk in the park. And, and same thing for sparring. Like, I'll spar with guys that are, you know, amateurs that were coming up or whatever. Um, they're good. But then I'm like getting clipped with shots and they're scoring things on me. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? And then I'll go with another guy who's, say, I don't know, top 10 in whatever weight class division. And um, I know this guy's really good. So I'm switched on. I'm like, right, I have to bring my A game here. It, it was the same when I used to work with. Um, I used to spar with a lot of pro boxers back in England and like, you know, I, I should have never been doing good in the rounds with these guys because they're elite level pros, boxers, and I'm just the, the random MMA guy coming into their gym to do some rounds. But then uh, that would always be when I brought my best work. Yeah, yeah dude, it's, there is that dynamic, right? Where it's like the younger guy is probably thinking about that sparring session all week, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and there's, the, you know, that is like the biggest, even if it's, a sparring session in the gym that's the biggest yeah. fight of their career right oh cool. yeah 
Yeah. And it, and for you, it's just like the next thing I got to do today. <laughs> you know, I'm going to step in the ring with this dude. And, um, and you could have, you know, you're, you're, you might not be as up as, you know, as he is for that. And the same when you're on the other side of it, when you're, you know, you're sparring with a, a you know, a good boxer, you're like super, super looking forward to that, wanting to match him or whatever. And they're, you know, they might not be at the same level of focus, excitement, you know, commitment locked in as you. So it happens, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, you get an early night's sleep, you, uh, you eat your bowl of porridge and all of that, and you make sure you turn up ready. So, yeah. And, he, you know, he's still out. <laughs> he's still out at the club. He, you know, he comes to the gym with last night's clothes on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and now oh, you're that gosh. guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, young, the young guys have been, like, eating their porridge, you know, early on, getting a good yeah. night's sleep because they're – and not to say you're the old guy, but you're the, you're the, you're the experienced guy you know, you're the veteran, you know, you've yeah. been in the game for that long. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. You have both perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. dude, yeah. yeah, it's been, Thank it's you. been awesome to, you know, to spend some time with you and it's going to yeah. be super, super exciting to watch your journey. I hope you, when are you looking to get something this year? Has there been any, can you, can you leak any information? Has there been any conversation about, um, I might be looking at this time of year or that type of thing? yeah uh yeah it's just as soon as possible that's the conversation so yeah nice. okay nice amazing dude amazing well um you know it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you you know we we, we love mma we love the ufc and uh, even more we're, we're we're english guys doing this podcast uh, out of the uk you know and then we really 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 appreciate you coming on and talking to us dude you're an absolutely incredible fighter who's had an awesome career and we can't wait to see you, you know, get into those top five and start causing some chaos and bringing, bringing the UK name into the featherweight division as well, dude. So, uh, so thank you so much for yeah. spending some time with us. Yeah, it's been, a, been an absolute pleasure. And uh, quickly, guys, uh, as always, for Homie and the Dude, um, thank you all for watching. Go check out EnzoMartialArts.com. Uh, Use the promo code HATD. Um, also, guys, for us, um, hit us with the Holy Trinity. You know what it is. Like and follow on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, and share one of our podcasts or posts on any of your social media. Cool. That's it for me. Thanks, Arnold. Good luck, brother. Thanks, yep. We'll see you soon, man. Right. We're chugging through. We're loving doing this stuff for you guys. Um, if you want to support us, if you want to make sure that we can keep getting, you know, better quality set, better quality lights, make the filming better. Bigger, um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. <laughs> yes. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that by just liking, following the page and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.